Okay, Bokir Tov, good morning. This week uh, we continue with the study of Parshas Kisavo, page 1068 in the Art Scroll Stone Chumash. Uh, and as always, we'll give an overview of the Parsha, and then we will investigate and analyze specific psukim. The uh, Parsha Kisavo begins with the halachas, the laws of the Bikurim, the first fruit, that after the land is conquered, after we enter Eretz Yisrael, after we inhabit the land that God promised us, and the farmers begin to plant and harvest their fields, the halacha is that the first fruit is brought to Yerushalayim, it's brought to the Kohen, and there's an entire section which is uh, recited, what's called the Vidoy Bikurim, it's called the Confession. There's only something very unusual about this Vidoy. What's unusual about this Vidoy? What does the person say in this Vidoy? I did nothing wrong, I did everything the way God asked me. And yet our rabbis refer to this, not the Chumash itself, but our rabbis describe this as the Vidoy Meiser. Not Bikurim, this is the Vidoy Meiser. So why is it called Vidoy? Why is it called confession if the uh, farmer says, I did nothing wrong? I separated the tithes exactly the way I was supposed to. I gave them out the way I was supposed to, allocated them properly. Shamati b'kol Hashem alokai. I did. I listened to Hashem's voice. Asisi k'chol Hashem I followed exactly as He commanded, and yet that's called confession. What do you see about vidui? Vidui is not necessarily confession of wrongdoing. Vidui can be the desire to connect. An admission doesn't necessarily mean of something I've done wrong. It's an admission that I want to feel close to you. And so I'm going to describe what I've done. I'm going to describe the investment I've made. But you learn about Vidoy from this uh, Vidoy Maestros, from the confession of the tithes after the former uh, visits uh, Yerushalayim. So he brings, his, uh, he brings his Bikurim, his first fruit. It's a very unusual uh, Torah here. describes the ceremony that's uh, conducted. The Rambam elaborates. The farmer takes his first little fruit. Could be a fig. Could be a little uh, grape. Could be a little... A tiny little fruit. It's a basket. It's decorated. It's brought to Yushalayim. There's a parade. There's trumpets. There's fanfare. There's pomp. There's circumstance. It's an incredible thing. But J.J. Schachter once shared with us a beautiful insight. He says, you know, the farmer who separates 10% of his produce, there's no ceremony. There's no pomp and circumstance. There's no music. Nothing. He just separates 10%. And he gives it away in the proper place. He gives the maise to the levy. He gives the truma to the kohen. The levy has to give the truma's maise to the kohen. And depending on what year it is, he gives either the Meiser Shani or the Meiser Ani. And there's no ceremony, there's no pomp and circumstance. 10% of produce could be an enormous amount. And yet the Bikurim represents the first fruit. Could be one fig. A little figula, as Rabbi Shachter would describe. So why is it that the little fig gets an entire ceremony, pomp and circumstance, a parade, and 10% of your income? Depending on how many fields or the, the acreage of the farmer's field, it could be enormous. And it's nothing. Nothing. Just passes by invisible. Why is that? So he explained, he suggested, because Bikurim represents the first. The first, to give the first. I don't know if you've ever had a garden. If you ever planted a garden, you know. I mean, I remember still as a kid, planting a tomato vine in our backyard. When I was a kid, Teaneck, New Jersey, a little tomato vine. And my father, every Sunday we went out, we tied up the vine as it continued to grow. And we watered it. We watched the tomatoes grow. And it was green. And then they turned to red. And the first tomato was ripe and ready to be plucked. And it was brought to our Shabbos table. Oh, 
the love for that tomato. <laughs> now the farmer's told, after all that work and love and nurturing and nourishment, take that first tomato and you don't get to eat it. You bring that, that goes to Hashem. The first, after all the work and effort, after the piece of yourself you invested in it, you don't get to keep. That's what Bikurim is. So it's not a matter of the quantity, but it's a matter of the relationship. It's the quality. 10% is a lot more than the first fig, than the first fruit. But whatever the first is, Reishi Sona, we have this with a number of things. With, uh, think about Pidgin Ben and so on. But the first, the first, the product of our effort, which we most identify with and we see as the result of our effort, that is specifically what we have to take and give to Hashem to recognize that the success of realizing the achievement of this harvest is not due to my efforts or my efforts alone. It's only with the grace of Hashem. And how do I show that? By my willingness not to give of the last 10%. But my willing is to give of... Right? In the case of the farmer who gives 10%, he gets to keep 90%. The farmer who gives the first fig doesn't know how many figs are yet to come. Maybe that's the only fig. Maybe that's the only tomato that's going to grow on the vine. And yet you give it, that's the ultimate display of, of loyalty. So the parasha begins with the uh, laws of Bikurim, and then uh, the Vidoi Maestros, the relationship between Hashem and the Jewish people, a theme that Moshe has been repeating over and over. Remember, we're on the last day of Moshe's life. We're listening to Moshe's monologue that he's delivering to the Jewish people. Today, this day, it's one of the most commonly repeated words throughout Sefer Dvarim. Moshe Rabbeinu over and over again. Hayom, 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 hayom. Like Rosh Hashanah, think about Hayom. Moshe is trying to ingrain within them the sense of today, today, to act today. I'm placing before you the concept of Hayom, mortality. I'm giving you the concept of vulnerability today. Who knows what's beyond today? Or mortality, take advantage of it today. And our rabbis understand Hayom means every day it should be kachadashim, every day it should be new. When Moshe says, Hayom Azeh, what do you mean, that day Hashem? No, it's not the day of Sinai. That's not when Hashem gave the mitzvahs. What does Moshe mean? Hayom Azeh, today. Moshe over and over again uses this Lashem, uses this language of Hayom to ingrain within the people that we should have a sense of renewal. We should have a sense of every day, it's renewed. Every day a renewed commitment. Also every day to take advantage of each day, never knowing what's going to come afterwards. What do you mean? What do you mean? Of course. With your heart and with your soul. That's what we want. You don't ask your kids to put their heart and soul into everything they're working on. We don't want our spouses to love us with their heart and their soul. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't necessarily mean physically. It means that don't just go through the motions of the mitzvah. Have the heart and soul behind it as well. Don't just go through the motion. In gr- Hayom, right, urgency. Do it today. Don't delay. Don't push it off like the Mishnah Perkyavos. Don't say, I'll do it tomorrow because who knows if you'll get to it tomorrow. But do it today. Don't ever push off. Okay. Parsha commit. The uh, Torah continues with the uh, covenant that was renewed at Har Grizim and Har Eval when they came into Eretz Yisrael. The... Uh, the brachas and the klalos, the blessings and the curses that were recited on these two mountains, as soon as they entered the land, 
the, the uh, commandments were given to them. Six tribes on the top of one mountain, six tribes on the other mountain. The Aron, the Kohanim, the Levim were in the valley in between. The Levim would pronounce each of these Baruch and Aror, each of the blessings and curses. And the people would answer Amen. They would affirm, they would recognize the truth, and they would uh, pledge to live their lives in a virtuous fashion in fulfillment of these blessings and these curses. We've studied these in the past a little bit more in depth. All of the, uh, the brachas and the orrors. Ara Shiloyakim is Dibriya Torah Hazos. The Ramban says that uh, cursed is the person who doesn't uplift the Torah. This is a Kirov message, an outreach message. The Ramban interprets Ara Shiloyakim is Dibriya Torah Hazos. Perka Chaf Zayan Pasuk Chaf Vav 2726. Cursed is the person who doesn't uplift the Torah means if you have the capacity to encourage someone to observe more Torah and you don't, you're cursed. Right? Before this verse, I might have thought. If you're positioned to inspire others and you don't, okay, so you, you know, you don't, you're not honored at the shul dinner. You're not on the board of directors of uh, Boca Raton Jewish Experience or Brody's Outreach Program. You're not a bad person, right? You're not, you're at the mall, you're on the checkout. It happens all the time in Boca. People, what's called bagel you. Bagel is the term that's uh, been coined to describe when someone wants you to know they're Jewish. So they crash, they say, Oy vey. They turn to you, they say, when is Rosh Hashanah this year? They say something to let you know that even though outwardly they don't necessarily appear observant uh, Jewish, they want you to know they're Jewish, right? They say, uh, your baby's in the cart in the supermarket. They say, is there a kosher symbol on that little boy? They say something to make you know they're Jewish. They bagel you. So what they're basically doing is inviting you to have a conversation. You, if you take advantage of it, you're blessed. Say, oh, we have a great program. We have a great Tell me about yourself. Would you like to come for Shabbos meal? Where are you from? It's something. If you negate, if you neglect the opportunity, somebody invited you to try to inspire them, and you uh, you were in a rush. You weren't in the mood. You didn't have the self confidence to think you could do outreach. So you didn't really listen. You didn't really accept the invitation to have a conversation. So you are subject to error. It's not just you'd say you're parav, you're in between. You're not necessarily a good guy, but you're not a bad girl. Says the Torah, no, error. You're cursed. You've got to take advantage. The Torah continues with the tochacha, which is what we're going to study a little bit more in depth. The harsh rebuke. We have one version in Bechukosai. The second version appears here in Pashas Kisavo. The harsh, graphic, violent, descriptive, horrific consequences and accountability if we do not listen to the word of Hashem takes up the majority of the remainder of our Parsha, and then Moshe's final charge to the Jewish people towards uh, the end of the Parsha. You have seen everything. You saw what God did. You saw what He's capable of. God did not give you a heart to know or eyes to see or ears to hear until this day. I led you 40 days and you experienced miracles. Your clothing didn't get too small, didn't get worn out. You had plenty of food to eat. You came to this place. You defeated your enemies. And now it's time. Now it's time to pay back Hashem. Observe the bris. Observe the words of the covenant. Perform them so you will succeed. We gave a drasha. What? Two years ago? I don't remember when. Laman taskilu. That's an interesting word. The reason you should observe the covenant and perform it is so you'll become a maskil. Now we use the term maskil in a derogatory fashion. 
and the enlightenment of those that broke away from traditional Judaism and saw themselves as enlightened described themselves as maskilim. They were enlightened. But they took that, to- that, that word from the Torah. Laman taskilu. We say in Tehillim, David HaMelech says, Laman taskilu. We say on Motzei Shabbos, in Yitain Lecha. That uh, Laman taskilu. What's the root of the word Laman taskilu? Seicho. But it means more than that. I would, I would translate the word Laman taskilu. Eis kol asher ta'asun is so that you are mindful in all that you do. We spoke about this, I think, last year. Last year was the Elul theme that we did, the drushas on the mind, the body, the soul, going for the annual spiritual, not just the annual physical. Right, we, there's a drusha digest if you want to read it. You can find it online. So we, this was one of the drushas. What's the purpose of doing mitzvahs? Why did God tell us which shoe to put on first and which shoelace to tie first? Make a bracha before you eat, make a bracha after you eat. Don't look at this, listen to this, don't say that. Go here, wake up, daven by this time, put on this thing, light those candles. Why did Hashem regulate and legislate every moment of every day? What was the goal? What is the goal? The goal is mindfulness. To instill mindfulness within all that we do. If you're not mindful, if you're not present, if you're absent present, what sociologists coined the phrase absent present, so then what's your life worth? You're going through motions, rote, habit. You're a creature of habit. What's your life really all about? It's only when you're mindful, when you're present, that you can find meaning. Mindfulness leads to meaning. So Laman Taskilu, these words are they're so... Uh, easy to pass over at the very end of the parsha. this little pasuk Laman Taskilu but those words Laman Taskilu I think are so important Laman Taskilu like Seichel intellect mindfulness that you should observe the words of the covenant perform the mitzvahs why? why does it matter which shoe you put on? because it's going to help you with your mindfulness if even how you dress in the morning to how you go to the bathroom to how you shower to how you speak what you look at what you listen to how you work what you eat what you, everything about our lives so what's the sum total? Mindfulness. And mindfulness is a transcendent life. Mindfulness is a life which is rich, which is much more meaning. Okay, that is the overview of the Parsha. I want to take some time and go through, it's not often studied in depth, because it's not pleasant to study in depth, and that is the Tochacha. Tochacha appears on the bottom of page 1076. 1076. It's uh, Perak Ches, chapter 28. Verse 15. Chapter 28, verse 15. Yeah. says that we know the tradition is in shuls, that uh, there's a number of traditions. First of all, those who believe in Ayin Hara, those who subscribe to the notion that, uh, you know, if you get the Aliyah of the Tochacha, something bad's going to, lightning's going to strike you down. <laughs> so shuls have different minhagim. You know, they say the famous uh, joke about uh, the rabbi didn't know who to give the tochacha to. So he found this uh, nebuch, this poor guy in the community, the schlepper. And uh, he was a lomotzlach, so he wanted to give him a little parnasa. So he went over to him and he said, uh, tell you what, if you take the aliyah of the tochacha, we'll give you $100. So the guy was very excited. $100 just to get the aliyah? Absolutely. So Shabbos morning comes, Pesukah the Zimra, he's looking for a barrel on the back. He's not there. Baruch he's not there. Shema is not there, Shema Natsui, Chazar Sashat is not there, he's starting to get very nervous. They made a deal, who are they going to give this aliyah to? No one else is going to take it, they're going to feel very hurt. Finally, Beryl walks in as they're taking the Torah out. The rabbi is schwitzing buckets. He runs over to Beryl, he says, I was so nervous, where were you? He says, where was I? You think a person can make a parnasa off of one tochacha? 
Anyway, so the minag in shuls, I always tell the gaboyim if I'm in that minion, I say, I'm happy to take, give me the tochava. I'm happy to take the aliyah. I don't want to have to shvitz too much. Give the balkore the aliyah. You know, often uh, the question, then, then there's a bar mitzvah always on Kisavo. You don't want the bar mitzvah boy to have the tovah, so who are you going to give the aliyah to? Fine. That's one minag. Another minag, as Essie just said, is that we read it softly. We read this aliyah softly. Why? We don't want to proclaim it too loudly. This is not something we want to bring on ourselves. It's not something that we want to hear vividly. So we proclaim it softly. So I'll tell you a story Rabbi Riskin has in his memoirs, in his book. He was 12 and a half years old. I'm reading his words. And I'd never been to a I'd be 12 and a half years old, I'd never been to a Hasidic prayer service before. My neighbor had been gradually turning into a refuge for Holocaust survivors, many of whom were Hasidim, including the Klausenberger Rebbe, a saintly rabbi particularly well known for his initiative, energy, and kindness. Together with his flock of Hasidim scattered remnants from the fires of Europe, they had taken over the Beth Moses Hospital not far from my childhood home in Bedford-Stuyvesant, and much to the amazement of the local brownstone owners, to transformed it into a yeshiva vocational school and synagogue. And so one summer morning in 1952, on the Shabbos of Kisavo, overwhelmed with curiosity, I put on my crisp blue suit, set out for a world of fur hats and, and uh, gabardines, eager for the opportunity to be in the presence of a truly holy man, to experience a different kind of prayer. Now the Torah reading of Kisavo is famous for the 53 verses, which when read aloud by the Balkriya are recited quite differently than any other verses read during the year. Because of the vivid and frightening power of these verses, they're always read in a low voice, hardly more than a whisper. The Tochacha, the warning, is not something we're ex- exactly eager to hear, but if we must hear it once a year, the Balkriya lowers his voice. It was a custom I was familiar with, and every year it was enforced. And so I wasn't the only one surprised, when right at the beginning of the Tochacha, as the Balkriya intoned those first cur- few curses in a whisper, so hushed we could barely hear him, the Klausenberger Rebbe banged on the table and shouted in Yiddish, Hecher. Did I pronounce that right? Yes. Okay, Hecher. Louder, the reader stopped for a moment and apparently thought he hadn't heard correctly. He continued to read quietly in accordance with Jewish tradition. Hecher shouted the Rebbe again, his face pale and his eyes determined. Hecher. Perhaps the Rebbe was feeling an unbearable sadness. I knew he had lost all 11 of his children in the Holocaust and wondered if that could have something to do with his outcry. I wasn't all that far off, but in an entirely different direction. Addressing the stunned silence that surrounded him, the Rebbe said, writes Rabbi Riskin, We have nothing to be afraid of. Let God hear in a loud voice all of our suffering and humiliations, because after the curses, the Bible promises the blessings and a return to the land of Israel. Let him hear the curses, so he'll know that this must be the time for the blessings. In effect, the Klausenberger Rebbe used the Torah as a challenge to God. And who better to offer such a challenge than a man who lived through the verses we were reading that morning? A man who had never even had the time to sit shiva for his children because he believed that every moment was needed to save Jews. And the Rabbi Riskin writes, Our Torah was given nearly 3,500 years ago. We would have to be quite nearsighted or very stubborn to refuse to see the diaspora and the Tochachar, the history of the Jewish people. We can only stand in awe when we realize that the historical sequences which were outlined so long ago have indeed come to pass, making the five books of Moshe more relevant than tomorrow's New York Times. That's why the blessings that follow are so significant. The Kleisenberger Rebbe's challenge was first and foremost a declaration that the Torah by fulfillment, the first part, the warning, must eventually fulfill the second part, the blessing. And what are they if not the promise of the end of the exile and the beginning of the redemption? And uh, Rabbi Riskin goes on. But it's a very powerful story of the Kleisenberger Rebbe saying that those who survived the Holocaust lived through the Tochacha. They saw the Tochacha. The Ramban, 
Nachmanides in the 12th century Spain, later Israel, the Ramban, not here but earlier in Parshish Bechu Kosai, describes that the first Tochacha corresponds with the first Golos, with the first exile, the destruction of the first base of Mikdash. The second Tochacha in our Parsha Kisovo corresponds with the second Golos, the second Churban, the destruction of the second base of Mikdash. Shechter would quote in Shir that uh, I think from the Rav, that from the Ramban it's very promising. Because from the Ramban it means that the third time, because the Ramban describes not just the base of Mikdash, but the Churban of sovereignty over Israel. That the first Tochacha is when we were exiled from the land. Second, second Tochacha is when we were exiled the second time. And from the Ramban there's an implicit promise that the third time that we are merit to sovereignty over the land, we will never lose it. It's permanent. It may be a rocky road. Eretz Yisrael nicknames B'Yisurin. We have to undergo Operation Protective Edge. We have to undergo multiple wars and enemies from all sides. But from the Ramban, from the two Tochachas, and only two Tochachas, we know that there will only be two Tochachas. That we will not have a third time, once we come a third time into the land, that there will not be a third time we are exiled. It's a very optimistic and hopeful uh, message, implicit within the Tochacha itself. So the Ramban, Bechukosai, when he describes, he talks about the historical events he takes the psukim of the tochachas of Bechukosa and Kisavo, the Ramban, and he shows what corresponded with the Babylonians, what corresponds with the Romans. He shows the psukim. This corresponds with when this Roman general did this, when this Roman general did that. So the Kleisenberg Rebbe takes the tochacha and applies it. He says, we lived it. Those who survived the Holocaust saw the tochacha before their very eyes, experienced it. And just like Hashem tells us what will come, but it ends with the promise of redemption. So those who experienced it now can be hopeful and long for redemption. Yes, Larry. Yes. Absolutely. Excellent. So Larry suggests the Gemara at the end of Makos, Rabbi Akiva and his uh, colleagues or uh, see Harabayas and destruction. They see the Temple Mountain ruins, foxes running around, animals running around. They cry, he laughs. They say, why are you laughing? And he says, now that I've seen the prophecy of destruction come true, now I can be hopeful that the prophecy of Zechariah, of the, of, uh, was it, not Zechariah, Amos, the prophecy that, uh, the, the, Hosea, uh, the prophecy of the rebuilding of the uh, Beis HaMikdash will come true as well. This Tochacha is very important for us to read. It's very important for us to understand. And it's not a coincidence that we read it when we read it. The Gemara Meseches Megillah, those who learned the Dafyomi recently covered towards the end, Aflamid Aleph. Rabbi Shimon ben Lazar Omer, Ezra Tikin Lahan Yisrael, Shikoran Klola Shibetoros Kohanim Kodem Atzeres, Ushibimishna Torah Kodem Rosh Hashanah. Ezra, the great Ezra who led the uh, return to Israel, a very modest return, sadly, between the first and second base on Mikdash, Ezra is the one who ordained a number of our Torah readings. We read the Torah on Monday and Thursday because of Ezra. So Ezra also established that we read the Tochacha in Bechukosai before Shavuos, and we read the Tochacha in Kisavo before Rosh Hashanah, which is what we're doing. We don't read it immediately before Rosh Hashanah, because we don't want to end the year on such a sad note, but we read it shortly before Rosh Hashanah. Says the Gemara, why? My time why do we read it before Rosh Hashanah? So that we end the year in its curses and we welcome the year in its blessings. There's a portion to read that's full of curses. Get it behind you. 
Put it in the end of the year. Put it in last year. It's in the rearview mirror. The year ahead is only blessings. The curses are in the rearview mirror. Let's get the negative energy out of our system. It goes behind us. Now it's interesting, our Achronim point out, Rav Yaakov Emden among them, that that works out when you read the Torah on an annual basis, the way we do in Bavel, the way we do outside of Israel. We read the Torah on an annual basis. You know, the conservative movement still does this today. People think, well, where does that come from? That's a breach of the Mesorah. The truth is, the Gemara quotes that in Eretz Yisrael, the, the Yerushalmi as they would read it on a triannual cycle. Torah was divided in three, and you'd only read a third of the Torah every year. So, in Eretz Yisrael, where they read the Torah in a triannual cycle, how did they read Kisava before Rosh Hashanah? So, Rav Yaakov Emden says, so important was it to read the Torah before Rosh Hashanah, so important, that just like we read Para, HaChodesh, Zachor, we make a special maftir, they would make a special maftir of the Tochacha. That's how important it is to read the Tochacha. So is the Tochacha said softly, or is it said regularly? Now? Unless you're with the Kleisenberger Rebbe, it's said softly. Okay. We read it, we still read it, the custom okay. is to read it softly. Okay. Uh, so there's something critical, clearly, between reading and contemplating the theme of the Tochacha and Rosh Hashanah, so much so that our rabbis were willing to manipulate the Torah reading. So much so that they instituted, if you are not up to it, you make sure to be up to it. You read it as a special maftir. So what's the connection? Not only to have the klalos, not only to have the curses behind us, what's the, what's the connection? So you'll see, if we start to read the Tochacha, Again, Pasuk Tesvav, V'haya, because this is supposed to be a text class. We're supposed to analyze the Pesukim. V'haya im lo sishma b'kol Hashem elokecha l'shmo la'asos kol mitzvosav v'chukosav ha'shanochi mitzav chayom u'bo alacha kol ha'klos ha'ela v'hi sigucha. And it will be that if you do not listen to the voice of Hashem to observe and to keep all of His mitzvos that I am commanding you today u'bo alacha kol ha'klos ha'ela v'hi sigucha These curses will visit upon you they will come upon you. The things I'm about to describe will be visited to you and v'hisigucha, they're going to overtake you. They're going to overtake you. The parallelism between these opening psukim and the brachos that precede them is exact. Right? It said, if you, do, if you do listen to me, then you'll have a lot of bracha, v'hisigucha. The bracha will overtake you. And here it's the kolalos which will come and overtake you. Arur atabair, arur atabasada. Again, this is the inverse of the bracha. It said Baruch Atabair Baruch Atabasada. Now it's Arur. You'll be cursed in this field in the city. You'll be cursed in the field. Arur Tanacha Umishantacha. You'll be cursed with your fruit basket and your kneading bowl, meaning your parnasa. Arur Privit Nachovri and Masecha. You'll be cursed with your offspring and the offspring of your animals, Shkarla Fechav, Ashros Tsanecha, your cattle, Arur Atabivoecha, Arur Batabitsasecha. You'll be cursed in your coming, you'll be cursed in your going. You'll have a life of no mazel. It'll be a miserable life. You'll have, you'll have nebuch, uh, sorrows that will follow you everywhere you go. Your parnasa will struggle. With your children, you'll have no nachas. With your animals, you'll have no nachas. Everywhere you go, you'll have problems. Yishalach Hashem b'chaas ha-me'eres, ha-me'humes, ha-me'g'eres, b'chom mishlach yodcha asher ta'aseh, ad hishamedcha v'ad avadecha meher, ne'roa ma'alalecha asher azavtani. Pasuk chaf. You will be... Um, Hashem will send... Uh, confusion and worry, anxiety and stress in your every undertaking you will do until you're destroyed. You're going to perish because of the, the evil, the badness of your, of your ways. Hashem has forsaken me. So first of all, we'll continue in a moment. Let's, what do you notice about this? First of all, in Parshas Bechu Kosai, Hashem is the one who delivers the Tochacha. Here, Moshe Rabbeinu is the one who's delivering the Tochacha. In third person, right? If you don't, not if you don't listen to my voice, 
Parshas Bechukosai, the Tochacha, is if you don't listen to me, Hashem is delivering the Tochacha. Here it's Moshe Rabbeinu delivering the Tochacha. The Rav had a whole insight. That was the Torah Shebechsav. This is the Torah Shebapeh. There's a long uh, insight by the Rav. But this is Moshe Rabbeinu, number one. Number two, there's another fundamental difference. In Parshas Bechukosai, if you look back, you'll see it's delivered Balashon Rabbim. The Tochacha is delivered in the plural. Here it's delivered in the. In Lo Sishma, not Lo Sishma'u, if you don't listen in the singular, not the plural. Avo Alecha, not Alechem. Arurata, not Atem. You see that all this Tocha is delivered, not in the plural, not to the masses, but it's described in the singular. You! It's talking to every single one of us. It's not a coincidence that it's in the singular. So the Vilna Gaon, the Gaon explains the first Tochacha is directed at every individual, every private person, warning them in the way they conduct themselves. But this Tochacha, this Tochacha is directed at the collective unit of Knesset Yisrael. I'm sorry, this, this Tochacha is directed, right, the plural there means it's directed at every individual, and therefore it's directed at the many, atem, atem, atem. Here it's in the singular because it's directed, says the Gra, somewhat counterintuitively, to Knesset Yisrael, to the Jewish people, as a unit. You see this towards the end of the Tochacha. After the Tochacha, it's Perak, if you want to look at it, it's Perak Chaf Tes Pasuk Yud Gimel. Chapter 29, verse 13, on page 1086, the beginning of Parshas Nitzavim. Beginning of Parshas Nitzavim, following the Tochacha, it says, I'm not only making this bris with you, those who are standing here right now, and those who are not standing here right now. What does Rashi say? Look at Rashi. V'lo itchem levadchem. I lost the Rashi. Uh, yeah, Rashi says, "Va'afim doros asidim lios." According to Tanchuma, Rashi says, "Generations to come." This message is not just reserved for you, the generation in the desert about to enter the land of Israel. This is for generations to come. So, the collective nature of the Tochacha, in particular, Knesset Israel in general, includes any future member of Klal Yisrael. Now it's interesting to note the Tochacha, this harsh rebuke, Rav Sajigon the Bahag, count the Tochacha among the Taryag Mitzvos. We have 613 Mitzvos, reading the Tochacha, listening to the Tochacha, imbibing the Tochacha for the, for the uh, Bahag, for Rav Sajigon, is among the 613 Mitzvos. Most Mephoshim, the Rambam, the Ramban and others, omit the Tochacha for good reason. They feel this was a one-time occurrence. You stood on Har Grizim, you stood on Har Eval, this was recited. There's no perpetual mitzvah. Tariq mitzvahs are only those mitzvahs which are recurring, which are perpetual. This was a one-time occurrence. So, why did Rav Saji go into the Baha'i count the Tochacha as a mitzvah? If it only happened once, Har Grizim and Har Eval, six tribes, six tribes, Kon Levim in the middle of the Aron, why, why is this counted as a mitzvah according to them? Rav Yerucham Perlau in his commentary on the Rav Savdiyon's uh, mitzvahs, Sefer HaMitzvahs explains that the mitzvah that the Rav Savdiyon is counting is not the mitzvah of reading the Tochacha itself. You know what the mitzvah is? It's the mitzvah of Arvas. Of Arvas. 
What's Arvus? Kol Yisrael Arevim? Zebazeh. Or Zelazeh. The mitzvah of recognizing our collective responsibility. Rav Sadjigon says this is when the Jewish people entered that relationship. So now they were individuals. Yes, they were part of a nation. And yes, the nation experienced their destiny together. But they were one plus one plus one plus one equals two to three million. Now one plus one plus one plus one equals one. Now they entered a new relationship. A relationship, not a nation, a conglomerate of individuals. But now they entered a new identity, a new status. A relationship of Kol Yisrael Arev Mizeh A relationship of one. Says Rav Yechron Polau, that's the mitzvah of Sadjigon's counting. The fact that the Tochacha is written in the singular. Im lo Hashem Or the Brachos are written in the singular as well here. It means, God says, I'm speaking to you as one nation. You are one unit. You're separate limbs of one body. And if what you do affects another. The Rechaim the describes, you know, if, if you're in a boat, imagine you go on a cruise. You're on a boat, you go, on a, uh, you go to the Everglades and you go on one of these uh, airboats, air right? You go on the airboat. So the guy next to you in the airboat takes out a drill and starts drilling the floor of the boat. He said, what are you doing? You're going to sink us all. What are you, crazy? He says, mind your business. I paid for the seat. I'm drilling a hole under my seat. This has nothing to do with you. What do you say to him? Of course it does, you moron. <laughs> You're drilling a hole in the whole boat. The whole boat's going to go down. It affects all of us. What you do under your seat affects all of us. That's the concept of, this is the, the description, the Kliyoka writes, of the boat. He doesn't say more, he's much kinder than that. <laughs> but this is, uh, this is what it means, which is a concept which is, I've shared this before. Why is it? If I hear the shofar Rosh Hashanah, I'm going to make a bracha, and then I'm going to blow the shofar, and then I'm going to go to somebody's house, Nebuch, who's not feeling well, blow the shofar for them. Why am I allowed to make a bracha for them? better they make the bracha and I blow but let's say they can't make the bracha why can I make the bracha for them I was in shul I went to the gala kiddush last Shabbos and I, uh, I made kiddush and then I go home and somebody is there who hasn't heard kiddush yet can I make kiddush for them why it should be a bracha levatala why am I allowed to waste Hashem's name I've already heard kiddush I already heard shofar I already heard megillah why can I do it says Rashi on the Gemara you know why yatsa motzi the concept of yatsa motzi works writes Rashi Midin Arvas Yatsamotzi works because which means to say Ron explains that if there is a Jew who has not fulfilled his mitzvah then I have not completely fulfilled mine either so you can't say how can I say Hashem's name how can I make a brach I already was Yotze the mitzvah the answer is no until every Jew has been Yotze the mitzvah I have not fully been Yotze mine yes nine tenths I have because I heard Kiddush but the one-tenth of another Jew not hearing Kiddush enables me to make Kiddush for him. Kol Yisrael Arev Mzebazeh is a halachic concept. The Helega Rebbe Rebeli Melech of Lezhinsk, the Noyam Eli Melech, he says, you know what this Lashon, Kol Yisrael Arev Mzebazeh, the Rav Sajigon says, in our parsha, this is the Makor of Arvus. You know, Kol Yisrael Arev Mzebazeh, you know what the word Arev means? Arev means a guarantor. I go to a bank in Israel and I want to take out a loan. And they say, you need an Arev. You need to have an Arev. What's an Arev? A guarantor. You need someone else to sign on the loan. But says of the Helega Noam Ali Melech, Arev means something else as well. Shirashirim, we say a Pasuk, Ki Kolech Arev, Marech Neveh. What does Ki Kolech Arev mean? What? Arev means sweet. 
engaging, endearing. It's a Jew's responsibility to sweeten the lives of other Jews, to make the lives of other Jews sweeter, easier. So maybe the reason Ezra was masaking that we read the Tochacha specifically before Rosh Hashanah is because this is a reaffirmation of a commitment to Arvos. The Tochacha of Bichukosai, that's Lashon Rabbim. That's given to many, many, many individuals. One plus one plus one plus one plus one plus one. Who all happen to be part of the same family, part of the same nation. The Tochacha of Kisavo, that's Lashon Yachid. It's given to the individual. We're one unit. We're one community. We're one people. That's pshat of why Rav Sadjagov counts it as a mitzvah. The mitzvah is not to hear the tochacha. The mitzvah is to feel connected with the total Jewish people. The mitzvah is to feel Okay, so let's look at this psukim. First of all, the Orachayim HaKadosh says, what is this tochacha for? What's it the result of? What kind of neglect what kind of indiscretion, what kind of mistakes do we have to make in order to warrant this horrific and harsh consequence? Writes the Rechaim HaKadosh, Torah is warning us about three violations. Talmud Torah, Shmiras Mitzvah Zlosasei, Vekiyah Mitzvah Zasei, Shetzorach Shishlosh Tanyacha. There are three principal obligations of every Jew. Number one, learning Torah. Torah has to be in its values, Torah and its timeless messages have to inform our lives. Number two, avoiding mitzvahs not violating negative commandments. And number three, performing mitzvahs fulfilling the positive commandments. Hakavana she'agam she'yilam Torah im lo yishmor o im yishmor v'loyase o miyase shneim v'yivata mitalma Torah yavau alav aklolos rachmanol tzlan kasher yivar mashanagel lecholachas mehena onish kolecha b'fnei atzmo. Says the Orachayim, even if you keep two out of three, certainly one out of three, it's not enough to avoid the tochacha. So you say, look, I do the positive commandments and I avoid the negative commandments. So what? I'm disconnected from Torah. I never learn Torah. I never go to a shir. I never listen to Torah. So what? Or I learn Torah, but I'm not so scrupulous and vigilant in my observance. Or I'm good at the mitzvah saseh, but the los saseh, I'm not. I'm good at avoiding the los saseh, but the positive commandments, I'm, says the Orachayim. We need a commitment to all three pillars in order to avoid the harsh consequence. And he breaks up, well, we don't have time to go through the entire Tochacha, but if you read the entire Tochacha, you'll see, and the Orachayim's perish on the Tochacha, the Orachayim says the first third of the Tochacha correspond with, if you neglect Torah, if you neglect Torah study, this is what's going to happen. And the second part of the Tochacha is, if you neglect the mitzvahs lo saseh, if you violate the negative commandments, this is what's going to happen. And the third part of the Tochacha, he says, is for neglecting the mitzvahs saseh. Why does bitl Torah come first? Why does neglecting Torah considered the first, therefore the most harshest, the most harsh? Amar aror hu be'ir ad ma'imar va'ad avdecha maher v'gamar omeb ne'ro ma'alalecha sh'er azavtani sh'aklolos amuros aratahim k'neged azivas ha-Torah k'ya'ozev Torah k'ya'ozev Hashem Because if you abandon Torah, it's like you've abandoned Hashem. Yeah, the mitzvos, you know, maybe the mitzvos, um, they speak to you. Shabbos is wonderful. You disconnect from technology, you connect with family. You could make Shabbos have nothing to do with Hashem. Lo saseh, you don't eat the non-kosher food, it's un- unhealthy, you avoid it, you can disconnect from Hashem. But Torah is Hashem. It's Hashem's diary, it's Hashem's message. Rabbi Salavechik has described, I shared this with you before, because I think it captures so much. 
Rabbi Salavitchik said so simply and so poignantly, davening is our talking to Hashem. Torah study is Hashem talking to us. If you want to have a relationship in life, you need to have a conversation. Relationships are made with conversations, communication. So learning is Hashem talking to us. Davening is us talking to Hashem. So you spend your whole life talking to Hashem, but you're a bad listener. What kind of relationship are you going to have? What kind of marriage is it if all you do is talk and you never listen? You never have an interest in what the other person cares about, their priorities, their values, their needs. So if you neglect Torah, Ha'ozev, Torah says, Ha'orachayim, Ka'ozev Hashem. Why do we have the Churban to begin with? Which corresponds to the Tochacha. Pasuk in Why were we lost from the land? Because we abandoned Hashem's Torah. So the Rechaim says, the first third of the Tochacha corresponds with the neglect of Torah. If we want to avoid a tochacha, the first commitment we make is to learning Torah. Next, the Kliyakar. Says the Kliyakar, Pasuk Tezvav. As we pointed out from the Gra, the, all, uh, the language here, the tense, the grammar is in the singular, and uh, there in Bechukosa it's in the plural. Why do we have 49 here? Sorry, why do we have 49 there and 98 here? So he says there, the Chukosai was before they entered the din of Arvus, what we described, of Sanjigon, of Yerachim Perlau, that the Tochacha of Chukosai was when we were individuals, before we were a collective unit. So we had the capacity to understand only up to 49 levels, Using our chachma, hachotesh and nichnas abaruch shtus v'libo tach mehaven urei mem tashari bina pesuchim lefanav ula nichnas b'shemachas mehem. You have forty-nine gates of wisdom open, and you didn't walk through any of them. You nevertheless were so neglectful of Torah. That's the tochacha of bechukosai. Alkein yake b'mispar mem tes. Avakan achar arvos kolachi yisbol avonu avon chavero. Alkein bo b'mispar tzadiches kafel. Here you have twice as many curses. You know why? Because now that you entered the laws of Arvus, now that we entered the, entered the covenant of being mutual guarantors, now we not only are liable for our own indiscretions and neglect, we're liable for that of those around us as well. We have the ability to influence them positively and we didn't, then we are liable for them as well. Okay, the Kliyakar goes on. You can read the rest of the Kliyakar, but we'll stop here. The Ramban notes something else very interesting. If you look at the Brachos, go back. Notes the Ramban. Pasuk Dalad. Parachav Ches Pasuk Dalad. Chapter 28, verse 4. When the Brachos, what does Hashem say? Baruch atabayir, Baruch atabasada. You'll be blessed in the city, you'll be blessed in the field. Baruch privet nechau, friad mascha. 
You'll be blessed the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground. And the fruit of your animal. What's the order there? What's the order? Your children. Your land. Your animal. Now look at the inverse, the curse. Aror privet nacho friad masacha. Shkalafecha the ashtros tonecha. It's the same thing. Sorry, look beforehand. Yudzayin. Aror tanaacha umisharatecha. That's why. Before privet nacha. Look at our order. When it comes to the blessing, first it says, your children will be blessed. And only afterwards, Barach Tanacha Umishartecha. Pasakei. Here it says, Barach Tanacha Umishartecha. And only then, Aror Privet Nacha Vriyad Masacha. The Ramban notes, the order switched. Page 1076. Look at page 1076. Barach and then Bless the fruit of your basket and your kneading bowl, meaning your parnasa. How does it appear now in the Aror? How does it appear on the top of 1078? Is it the same order? It's the reverse. Ask the Ramban why. Look what the Ramban says. Such an important message. Pasuk Yirches. Hiktim ebrachos privet nechava acha kach tanacha umishartecha. Why, when it came to the brachos, did it first say your children, then your parnasa? Now it says your parnasa, then your children. Ki priya beten hatov vahachavav yoser. You know what the greatest blessing that exists is? Children. The greatest wealth, the greatest wealth that we have is healthy children. You can have all the money in the world. You know, I know somebody who uh, works for a company and the stock is doing very well. So articles have come out recently that uh, talk about the fact that he's reached a billionaire status. He's a billionaire. Wow, billionaire. So people who saw the article, you know, know I know the person. They say, uh, wow, billionaire status, unbelievable. You know, a little bit of jealousy, a little envy. What they don't know that this man has a child with a degenerative disease who suffers terribly a degenerative disease which is horrific it suffers their whole life the parents is dedicated to this child and the parents would give every penny of the billion dollars to have a healthy child so I say to the people who talk about these articles with a little envy I say you know before you're jealous of the billion dollars you have to be willing to take the whole package you want the whole package? you want the whole picture? you want everything that comes along with it? you could have a billion dollars that's not worth you, get, you trade the billion dollars in a heartbeat for a healthy child. It says the Ramban, priabeten, having a healthy ch- having children to begin with. We shouldn't take for granted. There are people who struggle to have children. We make a mistake to take it for granted. It's not so partial to have children. We take it for granted to have healthy children is not so simple. To have children to begin with, to have healthy children, to have children or grandchildren to give you nachas, hatov v'achav yoser. There is nothing more precious. There is no greater blessing there's nothing more special. So when the Torah delineates the blessings, what's the very first blessing God gives? The highest in the hierarchy is children. Pre bitnecha, to open your womb and to have healthy children. Uveklala a 
And when it comes to the punishment, it's reversed. First Hashem will take away your parnasa. First He'll make your land infertile. He'll make your animals infertile. And only then will He take away your children. The Ramban notes another was reversed also is conquering our enemies. Fine. But the Ramban makes such an important point. The greatest bracha we have is children. Is children. So it's the first bracha Hashem gives and it's the last bracha that he takes away. And with that, the Ramban explains the difference in the order of the, of the Pesukim. Okay. Pasuk Yuches. Sorry, Pasuk Chaf, rather. Torah said, Yishalach Hashem b'cha es ha-me'era ve'es ha-me'uma ve'es ha-me'eras b'chol mishlach yodcha asher ta'aseh. God is going to send to everything that you try to do. To everything that you try to do, He's going to send you me'era Me'era means a curse. Re'era means, look at Rashi. Chaf. Me'era means chisaron. It's going to be lacking. Everything you try to accomplish is going to be lacking. And he's going to send you mahuma. What's mahuma? Confusion. Mahuma, it's all confused, all mixed up. And he's going to send you migeres. What's migeres? Anxiety. Worry. For everything. Look at the Ibn Ezra. Me'era migeres. You'll never see something to completion. You'll never see it to fruition. And Migeris, This in fact is a curse. We see the people who have this curse. That they're never happy with anything. They're consumed by worry, by anxiety and fear with everything they have to do. They never have the capacity to stop and to enjoy and to see the blessing in their life. That's a curse. That's a curse, says the Ibn Ezra. Nebuch, the people who are chasing their tail throughout the entire life, nothing they touch turns to gold, it all turns to lead. Everything they go after, nothing is uh, complete. This is the error that the Torah, that the Torah describes. Look at, skip to Pasuk Chavbez. Yakecha Hashem b'shachefes v'vakadachos v'vadalekes v'vacharchur v'vacheru v'shidafon v'yirakon v'rudafucha ad avdecha. Wow. Talk about a list of synonyms. What's going to happen? Hashem is going to strike you with shachefes, lesions, bachadachas, fever, v'dalekes, with burning heat, v'charchur, with thirst, v'cher of the sword, v'shidafon, you're going to have uh, wind blasts, v'yirakon, and with, you're going to shrink up, shrivel up, u'rudafucha aravdecha, and they're going to pursue you until you are lost, until you are destroyed. Rashi says, Ad avdecha, Ad avod oschasha techala me'alecha. You're going to suffer from all of this. Your enemies won't have to kill you. This is, you know, when the Kleisenberger Rebbe describes the ghetto, how many people died in the ghetto from starvation, from hunger, from disease, from, from sunstroke, from the environment. Your enemy didn't even have to kill you. All of these synonyms, all these horrific, graphic descriptions was enough. Says the Balaturim, Yakech Hashem, Hashem will strike you, Dalad pa'amim ksiv betochachos, Yakech Hashem. Four times it appears in the Tochachos, the word, the language, Hashem will strike you. Keneged Dalad Goliath. The four times it says Yakech Hashem corresponds with the four exiles. 
V'yesh pezeh apostak zayin in yonin b'shachefes v'gadachos v'lekes v'chachur and so on. Says the the Balaturim, the four yakechas are not a coincidence at all. Okay, the Torah goes on and describes in horrific detail. You'll be like a blind person wandering. Your enemies are going to you're going to run from your enemies. You're going to scatter in seven different directions over and over. Horrific, horrific. There are many more psukim of tochacha than there are of blessing. Many more of curses. We need that message. That message has to be resonate stronger, even stronger with us. Skip ahead in the tochacha. We have a few minutes left. Skip ahead in the tochacha. Pasuk Men Beis. Perech of Ches Men Beis. 2842. Page 1080. Page 1080. What does the Pasuk say? Pasuk Men What does that mean? All of your trees and fruits of your ground, the chirping locust will impoverish. The chirping, some, some species of locust are going to You'll have a plague, and nothing you grow is going to succeed. Rashi says, "Hatzlatzal min arbe v'yevsher lefarish yarish lashin yerusha imkenai lelechtov yirash shemkenai lelechtov yorish." What it means, "Tzlatzal," is it's a min arbe. It's a form of a locust which will inhabit your fruit of your ground and uh, and ruin it. The Ramban disagrees. Ramban first quotes Rashi. And then he writes the second paragraph. Vayikra Achayel, Ramban disagrees and he says, actually go to the first paragraph. Aldas Rashi Mimine Arba, Vimkain, Royush Yitzari Fosoyim Pasuka Arba Vatolas. It should have been included when the, when the Tochacha describes the species of bugs that are going to infest you, it should have been then. Why is it now? Yosir Nirash Yitzatzal Shem Lamachaneha Oyev. Satzal is the name of the enemy encampment, says the Ramban. You're going to have children, but you're not going to be able to protect them. The enemy is going to conquer them. And now comes this Pasuk, says the Ramban, your fruit will be vulnerable, but not to the locusts. He doesn't interprets Tzatzah as locusts, your fruit will be vulnerable to the enemy who's going to come conquer your territory. You will not be able to eat from your fruit. Why is the enemy called Tzatzal? is the description of the noise when the enemy comes and they blow their trumpets and they bang their cymbals and they make their noise that they're coming. That's what he quotes all these different psukim to describe that word tzatzal is associated with the enemy the sound the enemy makes when the enemy is coming but now here's what's important the Ramban says what is the tochacha anticipating what is the tochacha describing the Tochacha applies specifically according to Ramban where? In the land of Israel. The Tochacha applies, this is the opinion of the Ramban, specifically where? Outside of Israel. 
uh, in Israel, rather. Tocha is describing the process through which God will divorce us from the land. When we are ingrained in the land, but when we corrupt the land and corrupt our values and our lives in the land, then this is when God will get us out of the land. The Tocha applies specifically then. We don't have time. There was one more Pasuk in the Tocha I wanted to look at with you, and it's Perech Ches Pasuk Mem Because when the Tocha itself says, you know when this is going to befall you? Not when you don't keep Shabbos, not when you murder, not when you're jealous. You know what the practice, you know what behavior elicits a tochacha? It's an unbelievable pasuk. Tachas asher lo avarta sashem elokecha b'simcha uvetuv levav meirov kol. When you're not happy, when you're not joyous, when you don't serve Hashem b'simcha, that's when you'll be visited by the tochacha. Wow. Wow. It's not enough to not be sad. You have to have simcha. The, the, the accountability for lacking simcha sachayim, joy in your life, is the tochacha. There's a lot to discuss about this, but we're out of time. I urge you to stay, study Sefer Yonah with Rabbi Maskutz, and I wish you a fantastic week. This Thursday night, don't forget Rav Shechter, 8 o'clock. Rav Shechter, Rosh Shiva, uh, Shiva University will be here.